0: Forced Metaphors, presented by Progressive. Bundle and protect today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
1: It's your home speaking, and I need you to do me a
0: couple of favors. First, could you get that blueberry that rolled under the fridge last week? It's throwing my feng shui off. Second thing, bundle your home and car insurance with GEICO. It's easy, and we could save money. Lastly, I know you were thinking of painting the nursery back to off-white, but I'm actually feeling this baby blue. Didn't think it was my color, but I am pulling it off. GEICO. For bundling made easy, go to geico.com today. It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand.
2: This is the Cubs Related Podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined as always by Brendan, and we are coming to you on Wednesday, March 18th. You guys hearing this on Thursday, March 19th, and I imagine that you are hearing this from the comfort of your home where most of us have been residing for several days now as we are in the midst of this coronavirus outbreak and overall national emergency situation. Uh, So I am going to start here before I even bring Brendan in by offering a a bit of a preface so that Brendan and I don't have to repeat this and so that it is clear. Uh, This is a a serious situation that's been going on, and we wanted to keep doing this podcast because both Brendan and I have been inside for several days and we're looking for something to do uh, and distract ourselves. And we heard from a number of you that you'd like to keep hearing Cubs-related conversations, whatever that may be, since there is no baseball now and perhaps for the foreseeable future, at least at the moment. Uh, But I do just want to make clear, like, when we start talking about baseball and hypotheticals or looking back on 2016, whatever we may end up doing, uh, that is not to make light of the situation that is going on uh, in this country and around the world. It is not to not take it seriously or anything like that. Uh, We are Uh, both practicing social distancing and and good hygiene and everything that we can uh, as per, you know, the the World Health Organization's instructions. And I hope that you are too. And we're just going to talk about baseball to kind of uh, like I said, distract ourselves and just try to find some entertainment while we're all uh, trying to participate in this for the greater good. So I just want to throw out there like we, we are not uh, attempting to talk about baseball as though that is the most important thing in the world at the current moment because it is not. Uh, so I, I think most of you guys understand that. Uh, and would not uh, assume that of us, but you never know. So just throwing that out there, it's a very serious situation. Uh hope you guys are staying safe, whatever your situation may be. I know that work and employment for a lot of people is in a tricky spot right now, so hopefully you are able to get through this uh, and... Uh, things are okay for you and your family at this moment. So I just wanted to offer that preface before we start talking about baseball uh, as to make sure that, you know, nobody thinks that we are uh, thinking, uh, you know, about uh, the Cubs and some hypothetical baseball season that is sort of maybe not even on the table at the moment is of the utmost importance because it is not. So uh, hopefully, you know, we don't really need to repeat that again, but just throwing it out there. So getting to baseball uh, and and just where we are, we don't really know that much uh, because really the, the whole country doesn't know that much about uh, pretty much the next day, right? We're all taking this day by day. Uh, and it's a strange spot for the world of sports. Uh, a lot of leagues, all the leagues are, are are shut down in this country or postponed, and everybody's kind of waiting to see what happens. We've heard from some baseball executives and some people within the game that their goal is obviously to get in as many games as is possible uh, once it is possible, if it is. And, you know, then you have leagues like the NBA, the NHL, who were really like a month out basically from their playoffs and kind of at the end of those seasons. You have the NFL going on right now with one of the more active free agency and trade periods that I can remember experiencing. So each league is kind of in a a very different spot and they're going to have to proceed Accordingly, but I I think as far as baseball is concerned, the season is so long with 162 games, and even as we sit here having this conversation, the 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 season was not even scheduled to start yet. So, all of the rumblings from there is that if it is possible and it is safe, they would like to get as many games as they can, which I guess seems obvious as I say it, but it's still sort of interesting to hear that. So, uh, the, the 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 first. Sort of thought that I had, and I'll bring you in here on this, Brendan. Is I think we're looking at at least a couple more months, even if things go well. Looking on the the optimistic side, and and even if that resulted in Major League Baseball teams playing in empty stadiums or whatever it might be, but I think you know you're talking about at least a couple months, realistically, until they were maybe even able to get back out there. So one thought that I. I figured we could at least muse on, was the notion, if it's a shorter season, and let's say significantly shorter, so not 140 games instead of 162 or something like that, let's say 100 or less, closer to 81, maybe, maybe exactly half, something along those lines, right? How do you view that in terms of the way that that would shake up the league, the NL Central, the Cubs? the teams like the Dodgers, the Yankees, etc. Like if we were condensing this down to some significantly lower number of games, mm-hmm. what? how does that change the, the landscape? Because it, it does sound like if they are able to do that, that is what Major League Baseball, the owners and everybody would like to do.
1: With a shorter season, they have worse odds of winning the division. Now, it's not... Like a drastically different odds compared to a complete season. But for example, in a full 162 game season, they have a 38% chance of winning the division. This is by Zip's projections. Now, if we go down to, let's say, 110 games, and that's optimistic right now. If we have 110 games, something miraculous happened, I think. In 110 games, they have a 30.5% chance of winning the division. So again, starting at 38.1%, going down to 110 games, now we're at 30.5%. Now, with an 81-game season, so essentially exactly half that of a normal season, we're looking at a 27.3% chance of winning the division. And I will say, that is the best odds of any other team in the division. They're projected with that to win the division by two games. So regardless of a complete season versus a half season, the Cubs are still the division favorites. The margin for error, however, and it's understandable with a shortened season becomes greater. So the reason that we're seeing a 38.1% chance versus a 27.3% chance is just because the Cubs, as we know and as we've discussed, they are a highly variable team. There's a lot of guys on this team right now with some simulations giving them great numbers and then some simulations giving them some really bad and some mediocre numbers so when you try to average this out you get an expected win but you also have this variability and that's being represented by shortened season how i personally feel about this i don't like the shortened season and that's because exactly what i just said you have a highly variable team where if the cubs were to start off in an 81 game season a little bit slow my concern is, given where the Cubs are with their financial problems, that the front office may be like, you know what, let's let's just cancel this year, sell off some of these guys, and do somewhat of a soft rebuild to the likes that we saw in 2016 with the New York Yankees. That's my biggest concern, but you can also look at it on the other side. Because you have this higher variability, you also have more scenarios where the absolute best outcome is realistic and in that sense if they start out fast for example then other teams will not as a result and they may begin to sell off putting the Cubs in a better position. So you have extremes on both ends becoming more likely if that makes sense and for me I don't like that but I can see how fans they actually may like that and may be willing to risk some of the really disastrous outcomes for those potential World Series type outcomes.
2: I have to say that it's so on brand for you, Brendan, that it emits like a complete hypothetical, <laughs> right? We're already talking percentages and margins. <laughs> I love it.
1: I mean, look, we have not talked about baseball for a week here. I've been, right. You know, all this stuff has been on our minds. It's, a lot of it. You've
2: got a lot of pent up data you need to get out there. Yeah, so I think, uh, look, for, for me, just from like an opinion standpoint, I would like them to play whatever amount of games they are able to and that they can safely do for the player's sake, for the fan's sake, if they're even able to do that, I don't know just because i think this is one of those times where and again we we were we're still technically in what would be spring training so even though we kind of feel that absence of no baseball we, we haven't missed any regular season just yet though we we will it's already been delayed but even even in this current context you just feel the absence of baseball in your lives and as i said at the outset there's a lot more important stuff going on uh, and I and I know that for a lot of people this is easier to deal with than others, right? Staying home, things like that. Brendan and I don't have any kids, things like that. So it's it's a little easier for us to manage a situation like this. Um, so it, it's it's definitely from a, a place of privilege that I say this, but. You you just realize the impact that sports and especially baseball and especially Cubs baseball for all of us has on our lives yeah. and just bringing that that happiness that sense of camaraderie with your family friends and and the legions of Cubs fans around the world and just that that presence in your life and so it's uh, one of those things where. I don't know how they would work it out. They they're going to have a lot of questions to answer, and we can talk about what some of those would be. But I would like to see them play baseball, even it's even if it's a significantly shorter kind of rapid fire season. I, I just think that that especially in in times like this, you know, we've seen before in in past times, like sports has a way of bringing people together and giving people an escape from uh, the, the the realities of life. So. I, I think I tend to always I want the top talent, which is why I believed that the Cubs going into a, a normal season in this you know point in time would be my choice to win the NL Central. I, I think they're far from perfect; they they have some flaws and some things that they should have addressed. But I think they have a better roster than anybody in this NL Central division, and. 162 games, 80 games, 40 games give me the the top-level talent that the Cubs have, the Chris Bryants, the Anthony Rizzo's, Javi Baez, Hugh Darvish, et of the world, and I'm going to ride with those guys and hope that whatever the sample is, they rise to the top. But when we start talking about significantly lower amounts of games, I mean, if you get—81 is still a, a long stretch, but obviously that's 50% less than— a normal full season. Then you go even lower than that, right? If, if you get down a certain degree, anybody's in the mix, right? Mm-hmm. We've seen, yeah. and you can go to any season, any division, any team, really, and you can find a, a month stretch, a month and a half, two months, etc., where any team can play good baseball. They can catch a heater, they can have a, a star player start going off, a pitcher that just goes on an insane run. Like, how many seasons when we get to like may or things like that are the orioles and the 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 pirates and and teams like that sitting in first place right it happens and it fizzles out because the 162 game season is designed for the strongest teams and the teams with the most depth and 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 talent to win out it's just so many games like that's just how it works but if we got down to a low enough number, it would be a pretty wild season. And I think the the Cubs aren't necessarily in this group. While I think they have a lot of, of top talent, the division is, is it, you know, has a lot of variables in it. And the, the, the Reds spent a lot of money to make themselves more competitive. The Cardinals won the division last year. The Brewers lost a lot of players, but they've had somewhat of a horseshoe up their butt for a few years now where they just seem to hit that 99th percentile outcome every time, right? Yeah. So even losing Grandal and some of these other guys, it's it's hard to not just expect them to be in the mix to some degree, That's a little messier, but I think if you are like the Astros, the Dodgers, the lower number of games is really not going to do you any favors. And look, like a team like the Dodgers is way better, like way, 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 way better. 162-game season, the Dodgers win the NL West, what, Brendan, 99 times, if not 100? Uh, I I would imagine that, yeah. It's probably just 100. They're that (laughs) much better and have that much more depth, even in the minor leagues, than anybody else in that division but you get down to a low enough number of games, right? And they struggle out the gate, the Padres catch a heat or something like that. Like it, it, it really changes things for, I think, situations like that, where there is such an imbalance over the long stretch. But if they came back and decided to play 40 games, 41 games, right, whatever it might be, that, that could be very interesting in a lot of these divisions. And you might see some really screwy things, but I, I'd i like to see them play. I think, uh, it, you know, one thing that, that comes to mind is what would happen with a lot of this contract stuff. And I think that's going to be, if they are able to play at some point this summer, whatever, that's going to be one of the more fascinating things to see how things like that play out because there are so many questions and really for a lot of franchises Extremely significant decisions that would need to come down, and and not to to keep harping on the the same few teams, but they're 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 just the ones that that come to mind. But like we just went through this grievance situation, right, with Chris Bryant. So he's got two years left. If they played a forty game season. It, does does that count as as one of those seasons? And Chris Bryant has one more year with the Cubs. Like that kind of sucks for the Cubs, right? <laughs> like I'm not, I don't want to entertain certain possibilities, but there are that certain also pitchers. sucks though for Chris Bryant
1: and the players as well. Yes, like, right. Yeah, no, it, it's bad in general. F- yeah, exactly.
2: So there's a certain pitcher in the, in the Cubs rotation who, if <laughs> they played a 40 game season and it counted, and, and, you know, everything just kind of moved along to next year, he wouldn't be under contract with the Cubs anymore. And that's a problem for me, Brendan. But, like, you look at other situations, like going to the Dodgers again, like, what if they traded for Mookie Betts, and they play a 40-game season, and they miss the playoffs, right? Because things just get crazy, and and it's, it's such a small sample, and, and somebody goes off in that division, and it's just all sorts of weird. Like, I I would never feel bad for the Dodgers, but it's an interesting sort of example where I I think you would at least see their point and be like, well, you know, when we made this trade, we certainly weren't giving all of this up under the impression that Mookie Betts would be playing 40 games with us and then moving on. I I don't know that there's any alternatives to that. I'm not sure what the league... yeah. Yeah, and I'm not sure what the league and the Players Association would... Do about things like this, but you just think about all these things service time, things like that, arbitration. Would there be a trade deadline if they came back in, say, the beginning of July? Would they then have a trade deadline a few weeks later? Would there be an all star break? There's all sorts of questions that they're going to have to answer. And I, again, like that's obviously not the most important thing in the world, but th- they're. That's their job. That's the Major League Baseball's job. And and they're going to be currently focused on this in addition to player safety. And it's going to be pretty fascinating to see how they decide to answer these questions uh, or if they do at all. Right. And then even if you had no season, if they're not able to play at all does that count as a year how does everybody get paid do we move to na- i mean there's just all sorts
1: of questions here it's it's a pretty it's a pretty messy situation well it's representative of this global crisis right. it's it's b- baseball is a small sliver of the workforce and some of these guys and players within the league and executives and whatnot they're dealing with the same unknowns that many of us are dealing with many of our listeners are dealing with so this is something that is unprecedented so trying to speculate of what's going to happen or project or predict what could happen we have no idea like you look at the mookie betts situation of course if you're a dodgers executive with the knowledge, knowing that you were only going to play 80 or 40 games with Mookie Betts, what do you have given away that package? Who knows? At the same time, you look at someone like, again, the Mookie Betts situation with the Red Sox. They made the deal because they wanted to get something back in return for Mookie Betts, where they thought they couldn't get anything in return if they were to keep them on the team. So you have this really tricky dynamic. And that's still present with the Cubs. With Chris Bryant, you went through a grievance. You Now you have maybe only one more year left of team control. Maybe the Cubs were intent on trading Chris Bryant around the trade deadline. Maybe that was a more likely outcome in Theo's mind than we were led on to believe. We don't know, right? Same thing with John Lester. How does his contract situation look like? How do some of the options look like for some of the other guys? Are they going to vest? What about the plate appearance uh, vestings for so many players across the league? It's such a tricky situation. I think the only way that's going to be solved is through some type of negotiation, whether that's with like I, I don't I don't even know. There has to be a negotiation between the owners and the players, and something's going to have to be settled. But that's that's our reality. I think the owners at this point, they're going to try to salvage anything, Corey. And if that's a forty right. game season and if the players are on board with that with some careful negotiation, I could see it happening. It's and I, I don't want to like misspeak here, so I'm going to put a lot of preface and context into this. Corey and I are not experts in epidemiology or infectious diseases, so please don't take what we're going to say we're as We're not guys. really experts in anything. Well, that's true. You could have stopped there. I could have stopped there. Yeah, you're right. But when we look at some of the models being put out by really smart people who, who are experts in their field, they... Some of them project, and some of them will will counter that. There is a possibility that this is not going to go away in two to three months. Like there could still be some suppression actions in place in our society to mitigate the spread of the virus, even around June, even after this "quote unquote" you know complete lockdown that many of us are facing right now. There could still be different principles in place to keep it suppressed. So that means. Maybe baseball, despite society getting back to norm, maybe baseball will have to wait. And maybe baseball will not actually start until, you know, not just June or July, maybe August, and you have that 40-game stretch. At the same time, too, Corey, maybe the fans won't even be able to go to the stadiums because of the potential risk for the virus, even though it's still not as this global pandemic as it is right now. And likewise, what if there's a few players who have the virus and... Still, at that point, the only treatment is to quarantine, is to kind of just let the symptoms go for those younger individuals. You can't play baseball with even one case, Corey, in the league. You can't do it. That's going to be an issue. And so you have the the global pandemic and the consequences of that for our society in the first two to three months. But I do think there are exclusive issues that baseball will be facing. And I don't know if that's going to permit even an 81-game season. It sucks to say, but I still think even if they go down to 40 games, I would imagine that the players would sign up for it. I would imagine the owners sign up for it. I don't know what that's gonna mean for contracts, for options, for everything we discussed, but at this point I feel too that the consequences of not playing a full year of Major League Baseball could kind of go into future years as well. And the owners will try everything at all costs to stay relevant. It just uh, it, it sucks. I don't like I, I don't feel optimistic that we're going to get a complete normal at this point, even like a hundred game season. If we're going to get an 81 game season, in my mind, that's kind of like the best case scenario. But again, I'm speaking from a point of a a lack of knowledge, a lack of experience with this, but that's kind of how I'm interpreting it.
2: Yeah. And I mean, we've seen things like this in the past. I mean, the Blackhawks won a Stanley Cup in a shortened season in the NHL. That We, we've seen sports just kind of have to go with the flow and and play with what they can. And uh, that's, I think, what we're looking at here. It was and the I, NHL, I when, the year the Blackhawks won in that shortened season, was that half a season? I don't remember exactly okay. how many games. Uh, I'm looking at it on Google. Here. It was 48. So What's not a, a little more than half, no,
1: but, but about about I mean basically half the season they played. Yeah, bets. and
2: this okay. was the 2012-2013 season. So okay. and that was again due to a lockout, yeah. not a, a situation. But, like but one
1: what, what, what of my concerns too there is for the NHL during that time they they played forty eight games with a full with a full crowd. Right, and like you had people in society willing to go to those games as well. It's not even a guarantee that if the stadiums are opened up to people, that they would want to go to games. Right, Ames.
2: this is this is definitely different.
1: Right, and yeah. again, if there are a few cases that are still circulating around, despite it being controlled, and again, some players they may have it as well. There may be no fans whatsoever in the stadiums. So now, the owners, I'm assuming, are going to be losing a ton of gate revenue, and I wonder. Does it make sense then to even play games? Because you're now you're going to not even get any of the revenue associated with that. Can you, play, can you pay employees to keep the stadiums open? You see what I'm saying? Like there comes a point where, and I hope it never happens, there comes a point where there may be no fans allowed to see the games.
0: It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy.
2: Yeah, and I think one good thing that we've seen is uh, the league, and I know I think other leagues have done this as well, Uh, did put together some funding for those uh, daily employees, those game day employees and stuff like that who rely on these jobs. Uh, And I know that Fergie Jenkins is doing uh, cameos on the website, cameo those like video shout outs. Uh, And I think for the next week, all of the proceeds are going to awesome the employees that work at at sloan park and and with the cubs that don't have those permanent jobs so uh if you're looking for a quick gift that's a good one
1: what's also on my mind too is is those minor leaguers like yeah as far as i know most of them are not getting paid and they're not getting paid much anyway so now you couple that with actual unemployment but not unemployment uh like legitimately where they can go and get other jobs that that that's an issue that's my main concern is you have all of these minor leaguers who may want to work but those first off no restaurants are active right now so those types of part-time or hourly type jobs are already at a scarcity. And you factor in someone who's under contract with a completely different company, they may not be willing to take on those employees. These minor leaguers, Corey, are in a huge, a huge crisis right now. It's
2: it's a, a tricky situation. Uh, and as we go forward here, we're going to try to keep to our regular schedule. That is what we heard from a lot of you. And, and that's what we would prefer. I, we're all cooped up, you know, working during the week, but, you know, otherwise kind of not having that much to do. I can only watch Parks and Recreation so many times, <laughs> guys. I, I can use the hour conversation with Brendan and with you guys to talk about baseball and the Cubs. But that's kind of where we are in, in the real world and, and kind of the reality of this. And and even with what we just talked about, kind of those hypotheticals with certain lengths of season and, and things like that, like we have no idea if that's even going to be possible. It's, it's a day-by-day thing. Uh, and like I said, really the only thing that we've gotten out of people within the game of baseball is their you know their plan is to play as much as they can i know i think uh teams in japan and korea are planning to get back out there soon Uh, I I don't recall if it was with fans or not. I would assume not. But either way, they're they're hoping to get things started soon. I know they were practicing and stuff like that. So perhaps there is hope if if things can get under control that they can at least do something. It sounds like that's what they want to do. But they will be putting everybody's safety, ours, the players, everybody at the forefront. So we're just going to have to wait and see. In the meantime, as for what we are going to discuss on this show, it's a great question and one that I barely have an answer to. Uh, we, we've thought about it. We got some good ideas from you guys on, on Twitter and stuff like that. Um, but I, I think what we're going to do is stick to the literal name of of this podcast. This is not necessarily what we intended when Brendan named the podcast this, but I think it's apt for the, this current situation. We're going to come on here and we are going to have a Cubs-related conversation. That's what we always say. We, we don't really talk about anything other than the Chicago Cubs and baseball The lone exception being the last 30 minutes when there's literally a national emergency declared. (laughs) Hopefully you guys will uh, allow for us to kind of uh, break the creed for that just a little bit. Uh, Although technically Cubs related still, if I was, uh, if we were taken to court over that, I would technically argue that it was Cubs related. Do you know
1: how, like why I picked that? name by the way I don't even think you know this. I do
2: not I was not I was not uh we did not know each other at that time <laughs> we, so
1: we didn't I mean we only I, I only recorded I think maybe like that was eight, that eight was eight the episodes. podcast
2: BC before that, Corey.
1: that was before Corey yeah that was uh pre end of 2016 but for a few episodes there uh when I was like naming the podcast I my my literal my literal thought was what would Ron Swanson call this podcast and my thinking was a Cubs-related podcast. <laughs> like, you know, like the very good construction company that he has in Parks and Rec, whatever it's yes. called? Same type of concept. So that's a little history for you. The reason this is called called the Cubs-related podcast is because of Parks and Rec, because of Ron Swanson. And I didn't even bring up
2: Parks and Rec. I didn't know that. So obviously that's just a, a coincidental tie-in. But that's what I think we're going to do. And I, I think obviously that's going to involve a lot of looking in the past when there is stuff to muse on as far as this, this upcoming season. I, we'll, we'll talk about that, uh, but there there's really not that much to talk about in that regard. We did get another picture of Kevin Rizzo last night, so Anthony, thank you for that. Yeah, very That's nice. That's obviously always welcome. He was Blissfully sleeping, unaware of the world around him. And, uh, you know, for for a brief second, you feel like everything's going to be all right when you see Kevin Rizzo. Uh, we did see some, some great stuff from Jason Hayward donating a lot of money to some uh, really relevant causes that came out from Jeff Passon today. Uh, I know a lot of the players are, are doing some work like that, but that one specifically came across. Uh, there was a good. Tweet from Jason Kipnis uh, where he just mentioned how you know serious this is and how important everybody's health and safety is, uh, but did also lament that he has been waiting kind of his whole life and and certainly this period now to. Put on a Cubs uniform and play at Wrigley Field in, in front of Chicago Cubs fans as a member of the Chicago Cubs, and you know that was another one that just you know kind of reminds you of of how important this is to all of us and to all of them and uh, how much it is missed and certainly how electric things are going to be once we get baseball back and once fans are able to be involved whether that's in the near future next year or whatever it is I don't know it's it's going to be quite the scene uh, and I think quite the the reminder <laughs> that you know how, how important baseball is to everybody so that that's kind of really all that we have as as, as far as this current situation goes so I think when we come on here you know, you guys know, like, Brendan and I are both lifelong Cubs fans. I would say that since whenever you and I became officially obsessed, typically, for me, I would identify that as 2003. I was 12. Uh, yeah. And while I was just like any other kid growing up in the 90s, I, you know, watched the home run race with Sosa and McGuire, Kerry Woods debut, things like that. I was only 7. So I would Probably be lying to you if I said I was watching 162 <laughs> games a year and like obsessing over all the stats and data and stuff. So normally I would say 2003, but whatever that date for you is, Brendan, I think you guys know that the amount of games that Brendan and I have missed and like information about the Cubs that we have missed is
1: very small. You could probably very count small. it on uh, a, a disgusting fraction. That's how small it is.
2: Yeah. So, you know, I think we can come on and talk about the Cubs for an hour, and whatever that may be, looking back at, again, like, it depends how long this is going on for, right? So I I was sort of joking on uh, Twitter the other day. I started on the Cubs Insider handle, at Real Cubs Insider, just posting a video of Javi doing something every day. I'm going to post one Javi Baez highlight every day, home runs, diving plays, etc. When I first thought about doing it, it was kind of a you know, just for fun, like, okay, we'll see how long this lasts and have some fun with it. You know, now, as I'm doing it, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, like, do you have content for like a 100 days from now, right? Or potentially however long this is, because I've committed to the idea, right? And so I was just sort of joking, like, at some point, it's just going to be like, here's Javi grounding out to short, like, he didn't get a hit. But you know, it's Javi. So (laughs) here you go. Um, and, and perhaps that's what happens on this podcast. I don't know how many of these episodes we're going to have to do. And, you know, maybe it just gets to us talking about growing up as Cubs fans. I don't know. Right. But we're going to, we're in this together. If you guys ever have any ideas, specific things that you want us to talk about or go over, we're always open to ideas. We'll perhaps if, if people are available and stuff like that, we can, we can get uh, guests involved. I'm sure Evan from Cubs Insider would love to come on and things like that. So we're going to do our best to make it entertaining and, and a worthwhile listen, and if nothing else, a distraction from working from home or dealing with the realities of life. So that's our goal here. So I think for today, uh, just because it is airing on Marquee, and look, I, I know a lot of people don't get it, but th- this is it's the Cubs official network. So uh, if you don't get it, you can find a lot of these highlights online. I I can't help you. I, I can't help you with with getting the network, especially at this this current moment. So uh, I think that was something that was hopefully close to getting solved, but I would imagine that it is not marquee or necessarily Comcast's priority at the moment. Uh, but that's for them to answer. But. Tonight, on Wednesday, they are starting the run to the championship, uh, which if you're unsure of what I'm referring to when I say the championship, what I mean is the 2016 World Series, which was won by the Chicago Cubs. By the Cubs, yes. Yeah. And Marquis, the official network of the Chicago Cubs, the 2016 World Champions, is going to be airing, I believe, every win of that run. So eleven games leading up to the World Series. Maybe it's it's all the wins and then all the games from the World Series. I don't know. I I, I didn't look. But either way, uh you know, one one thought. I would air the whole thing. I don't I, I don't necessarily need to watch those losses again, but I, I think you, you know, if you're gonna go on the ride, let's go on the ride, right? Just one <laughs> right. man's opinion. But I think they're only airing the wins. And they're starting tonight with The first game of those playoffs and the first of the 11 wins, which is the game one, one to nothing victory over the San Francisco Giants at Wrigley Field. You can call it the Javi Baez game, whatever you want. But I figured if that's what they're starting with, and maybe some of you guys are going to watch that on Wednesday night, and when you're hearing this podcast, it'll be fresh in your memory. I figured we could just talk about that for a moment because I don't know what else to talk about. And like I said, if you guys are sitting there going, I don't want to hear you guys talk about past games. I want to hear you talk about this. Let us know. We're all ears. We're going to try to, we're going to try to fill airtime. All right. So we're, we're all in this together, but this is, uh, I, I always talk about the 2016 NLDS as being a really good example of just how scary a, five-game series is and every time since when we go into when we've gone into the NLDS with the Cubs or we've talked about just the playoffs in general I am always reminded of that series, and I always think it's a really great example of how dangerous the MLB playoff setup is and how even when a team like the Cubs in that year or the Dodgers in 2017, things like that, like even when a team wins 100-plus games and they dominate pole-to-pole pole the season, it's just their season, right? It's so easy for things to completely fall off the rails in a five-game series and three of the four games that end up getting played in this particular NLDS are decided by one run the only game that is not is a five to two victory in game two by the Chicago Cubs when they beat former Cub Jeff Samarja at Wrigley Field and you look at this first game and I think it embodies everything that I was just talking about. It is a bona fide pitcher's duel between John Lester, your boy, number thirty-four, the lefty, and Johnny Cueto. And both pitchers go eight innings. And it is, you know, really a I'm, you know, anything you can do, I can do better type of game. They were going blow for blow, heavyweight fight, and it comes down to one single mistake and it is a mistake that Javi Baez pounces on he hits probably in reality 500 feet but because of the wind it only lands in the basket just above on uh, Begon's head and that's it and that that that's all she wrote it's a it's a 1 to nothing game Cueto goes 8 innings 3 hits 1 earned 10 strikeouts John Lester goes 8 innings five hits zero earned zero walks and five strikeouts this is one of those games that if you are wondering why they call him bdj this is why and i remember being at this game brendan and being absolutely terrified right for (laughs) oh my god i was a wreck the entire day yeah, for, for seven and a half innings because, and I was actually watching, I watched the condensed game, and maybe we'll, we'll we'll go back and look at some of these games too, but again, just because they're starting this tonight and some of these games are going to be probably talked about on your timeline and things like that, uh, figured we could just start here. I was watching the condensed game of the first game in Anaheim that starts this season, Jake Arrieta, Garrett Richards, mm, Cubs, yes. Angels, to, to start the 2016 season, and what's so amazing about that team is the minute that game starts, there is so much pressure on the 2016 Chicago Cubs to not only build on the 2015 season, right? This rebuild has has finished. The team is going. You just made the NLCS. It's go time. You just spent a bunch of money in two consecutive off seasons. You brought in Jason Hayward, Ben Zobrist, etc. In you know, heading into 2016, you had just brought in John Lester before you have all these big prospects debut, you knock out the Cardinals in 2015. So, there, there's already just if this was any team, the expectations would be really high just coming off of 2015, seeing what you're doing with the payroll, etc. But these are the Chicago Cubs, the old era Chicago Cubs, right? The pre having won a World Series in 108 years Chicago Cubs right so not only are they coming in with those expectations just in general but they are carrying the 108 year burden the the curse the goat whatever stupid things people talked about with those old Chicago Cubs you know that's not us anymore right but the minute that game starts in Anaheim and I and I had the fortune of being there at at both of those games in Anaheim like they are up to the task Brendan, they come out. Dexter Fowler starts the season with a leadoff double. He scores in the first inning. They're up immediately, and you just get the vibe. They win that game nine to nothing, and you just get the feeling right from the jump that this group was up to the task. They were going to be as good as advertised, and this this was the team. Right, It was just about getting to the playoffs and performing there because this was the team. It had all come together. They were ready for the challenge. Joe Madden had them in the right mindset. These guys were ready to be the team to do it. And I bring that up because that is what makes game one of the 2016 NLDS absolutely horrifying for yeah. seven and a half innings until Javi Baez hits that home run because that is... You are staring in the face how easily this can all fall apart. John Lester is out there doing everything he can, but Johnny Cueto is just as good up until one one pitch, right? And I remember being there and just being absolutely terrified because you're thinking, okay, if the Giants get some stupid run, right now they've stolen a the game here at home then the Cubs would have to go out west and beat the Giants to bring it back. And you're just going through all these scenarios in your head, right? And you know that while Lester's going to be able to go again, so is Johnny Cueto. And and they hadn't been able to solve him to that point. So it's it's one of those games where it provides one of the best moments from that entire run, right and, and we get the cuts to Bill Murray after Javi Baez hits the home run Javi coming out and doing you know his his grand celebration curtain call to the the Wrigley faithful and it's amazing but that game is mostly an absolute nightmare Derek is the new superintendent in a large unified school district. He wanted to hold the district accountable to the same standards they hold students to, to level up and surpass expectations. So he earned a doctoral degree in education online at Grand Canyon University. Now he's taking charge and making measured improvements. What do you think preparing students for success looks like? GCU offers over 175 high-quality online programs like this one. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu
1: John Lester, the way he came out and shut it down, th- that that is one of my lasting memories of Lester is actually that game. Because not only did he shut things down, but he did so consistently. You go back and look at the video, he's Corey painting the corner with that cutter beautifully. And then when you team him up with David Ross, one of the narratives, and we know it's still persisting even today, but the narrative was that the Cubs are going to get run all over by opposing teams when Lester pitches. And what happens right away? First off, a bunt single to start the game, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm a wreck at this point. A bunt single to an area where John Lester can't throw—that that that completely destroyed me. But right away, you have David Ross throwing out Gorkys Hernandez at second base right away and that put everything to me at ease like okay you have Lester on the mound you have Ross controlling the running game you just need these guys to perform like they had the entire season and that's what happened not only did Ross throw Gorkys Hernandez out in the first inning but then he threw out uh Jalapsi in the third inning on a pickoff attempt and I want to read two metrics by Ross just because it, it puts everything he did in that entire year, in that postseason, into perspective. Again, this is a guy who was facing retirement and he was outperforming most catchers that are 10 years younger than him. The uh, out at second base was registered, Corey, as 1.8 seconds of pop time From the moment, Ross gets the ball. He throws a second base, 1.86 seconds. That is better than the league average of 1.99. On the pickoff attempt in the third inning by Ross, he registered at 1.49 seconds. The average is 1.64 seconds. Corey, Ross was on his game dude. Absolutely on his game. And that was, to me, that first inning when he threw out Gorky Hernandez's second base. That calmed me down, at least. I don't know how you were watching that game. I mean, calming down is relative, considering I was still pretty worked up. But that was a huge moment that kind of set the tone for the rest of the game. Because I'm, I'm serious about this. I'm, I'm scared that in the first inning, if a run scores the way the Cubs offense was rolling at that time, the entire tone may have been different the entire series like if, if they score in that first inning and Johnny Cueto's out there firing and Lester has to go multiple batters just to get out of the first inning we have no idea what the tone and what the rest of the series looks like yeah I wasn't calm
2: for the the, the entire month I would be lying if oh, I that, if that entire, entire I October that. I just it wrecked me I got yeah I done mean, I, I probably got two hours of sleep a night and i must have lost like 15 pounds just from general stress thank god we didn't really know each other that well at the time it would have been a disaster and stuff but like i i just remember in that game and and really that entire process i think until they were in the world series just being like it's it's all about they have to win the world series you know like them taking an early lead or a big home run like I could not be happy about anything it was all basic anything good was basically just a relief I mean right? just living not and dying on every pitch that's the worst right. part about it just it's just looking for that sense of relief because it, it's you know we all knew going into that series that the Cubs roster was miles better than that Giants roster they were the better team no question asked really not even close but you're watching inning by inning go by, and it's nothing, nothing, it's nothing, And you're thinking, man, <laughs> like, this is just so dice, this is so easy for this to all just be for nothing. And we can think that this team was the best ever, all we want, and it just isn't going to matter. Like, like you said, like, Gorky's Hernandez and the San Francisco Giants are going to knock them out, right? Connor, Gillespie, and, come on. Yeah. So... <laughs>
1: right.
2: It just is is a, a complete wreck. And this is one of those, and we talked about this before, this is one of those games where the, the stories afterward come out that Pedro Strope pulls Javi Baez aside in, I can't remember if it's the tunnel or the dugout, whatever, but, and tells him, you need to win this game. You need to go and take control of this game. You, Javi Baez, need to win this game. And he goes and does it. And I remember like the the home run is so odd because it again like on a normal day that's easily getting to Waveland right it might even be hitting a building just how hard he hit that ball but it's it's barely in the basket and it it was an odd experience watching it because you know like I think like a lot of us like I've watched enough baseball that like when you see a swing like that and a crack of the bat like that you you, that, that that's like a no doubt home run and then you're like panning over and like pagan is tracking it and you're like does he think he's catching this ball like i he just hit this to the moon right, right? and he's like tracking it tracking you're going yo what is going on right yeah, now why yeah. does this guy think he's catching this ball and just the the sense of relief when it hit in the basket and i remember thinking at the time like okay this is over like get Chapman in here right now. We don't even need to keep batting in the inning. Like it, it, this game's over at 1 to nothing. Let's move on. We got the run. Everybody can breathe. Like and and that was I think something that the 2016 team just inspired in in me at least. And it and it felt that way at Wrigley Field for most of those nights. Like unlike many of those other years, 2008, 2007, 2003, and for those of you that are older than Brendan and I, I'm sure plenty of others, right? Like I've been at Wrigley Field for plenty of playoff games, regular season games, whatever, and you 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 all know that Paul, that that cloud that comes over Wrigley Field, and and just the, the the fan base when something bad happens in a big moment, and you just expect the worst, and you just expect like here come, here come the Chicago Cubs, right? But as I said, this that that's pre 2016, really even pre 2015 to a degree. It's just a different a different era, different group, different feeling. And I remember being at that game, and like so many others on that run, everybody was confident. Like this team is going to do it. They they are having those moments, and I and I think that that Javi home run is is so. I mean, obviously, it's important. I mean, it literally is the only run in a in a, in a playoff game. But like, I I think it it really served as a reminder to us. And I would imagine the team, like, this is our moment. This is our moment. We are that team. We are the ones that are going to show up in these big moments and and, and take those must-win seconds and pitches and things like that. Like, that's us. That's not anybody else. And it was one of those nights where like, Wrigley was up for grabs. I remember being like out on Clark Street at some of those bars after the game. It was just absolute mayhem. And I think a lot of that was because I think there really was a pervasive sense that this was the team that was going to do it. This team was up to the task. They've been up to the task every moment of, of this season from the minute they started in Anaheim to getting here in the playoffs— and like that, Javi home run just felt like the the universe telling us like this is the team, this is the team that's going to do it. The, the a nothing nothing game, where John Lester is pitching the way that he is, the wind is all over the place. You've got a, a just not nearly as good Giants team. That is the a perfect recipe for just a Cubs nightmare in the playoffs, right? For like you and I, like all of our entire lives, right? <laughs> And it just wasn't this team. It, it just the 2016 Cubs were a different group. It was a different team, and as we saw, I mean, ultimately it all works out in them winning the World Series. We were right, but it, it it felt that way in the moment. It really did. And and I, you know, maybe it was a different experience for for some of you guys, especially you know if you've lived through more heartbreak than Brendan and I. I, I wouldn't blame you if you're uh, you were more pessimistic even at the time, uh, but. I I just didn't feel that way. It, it from from that game and that moment it felt like okay, like th- this is the group to believe in. This is the group that's going to get this done. And and I I
1: really believe that. It was a sigh of relief when Javi hit that ball, but it was also kind of the start of how we perceive Hobby bias. Like that, that like I know he had the 2015 uh 3 run home run against John Lackey. I I get it, but this was truly the start of Javi Baez as, at the time, the everyday second baseman for the Cubs. He was playing for the majority of the season, going back and forth from third base and second base. I remember when he was starting a second base that game, I expected Zobris to be at second base, and I expected maybe even Javi to be a third base with KB in the outfield. So seeing Zobris in the outfield... And Javi second base, to me, was like, oh, okay, that's kind of interesting. And it ended up being the formula the entire postseason. And then from there on out, it became more or less Javi's infield, uh, middle infield, that is. So that that was that was like the start of how I think Javi Baez was recognized around the league. It put him on the stage. You had all the celebration and the complete chaotic nature of Wrigley backing Javi in a night game that that was the start of what we see today and like you Corey that game one win was such a relief an enormous relief and it's always it's because when you look at how September for a team like the Cubs how it progresses you're just counting down the days for game one of the NLDS and you're just sitting there in September in the last two weeks like okay, like, I know this team is good, but you never know with these five-game series, and it is the San Francisco Giants, and these are the same teams who have won these World Series with, like, high 80-win seasons. Like, I don't know how I feel about this. And now you're going through the first three, four, five innings. You have Cueto shutting down the Cubs. Now you're getting into the seventh inning, and you're worried that, okay, maybe, you know, the Cubs offense just doesn't have it tonight. All of a sudden, Javi hits that towering fly ball, and you just, it's, pandemonium i think every everyone knew the moment that ball was hit it, it it was gone but there was a slight moment right when pagan was running back and i'm thinking this this, this ball better get out there's no way this ball can't get out unfortunately uh right into the basket it goes but it was a tone setter dude javi baez set the tone he became a staple as second base for the cubs became a staple as a chicago cub and john lester and David Ross also were tone setters. David Ross, I think his contributions just from catching Corky's Hernandez stealing in the first inning, that that was for me the biggest relief of that game, including that home run. I was so on edge, Corey, from that first from that first bun single, dude, like. I was already thinking, doing the math. Okay, if they lose this game, you know they go down 0-1, one. They've got to split at home, go back to Stanford, take one, and you're back at relief. Fuel worst case scenario. Like I was doing the math. I swear to God, even after a first bunt single, that's how messed up I was. So I'm thankful for Ross that he was able to catch Hernandez stealing, and uh, the the rest became one of the best games in Cubs playoff history. Right, and just for fun. Here is how the Cubs
2: lined up on this particular evening. We had Dexter Fowler leading off and playing center field, Chris Bryant playing third base, Anthony Rizzo playing first base, Ben Zobris playing left field, Addison Russell playing short, Jason Hayward playing right, Javier Baez playing second, David Ross catching, and John Lester pitching. And yeah, th- this is what this is what starts it all, and I think it's it's very easy to see how they would have lost this game, and it's very easy to see how losing this game would have drastically shifted this entire process. But it's uh, one of those games that I will never forget. i i I wouldn't forget it no matter where i had watched it but it it, it's one of those that i look back on from from being there is really one of that that javi home run and just the ensuing like chaos afterwards was really one of uh my favorite memories at at wrigley field i
1: have one question for you though yeah so on tv if you listen to the crowd of course the crowd just goes out in hysteria once the ball is hit but I can't tell if it's the cameras or I'm not sorry, the, the audio from the cameras is just not picking it up. But for a split second, as the ball is like slowly going into the basket, it just gets completely quiet. Like I feel like I don't know how it was. I, I think me, but- it I think it was what I
2: described before where, you know, you, you know, you know that that one's gone off the, the feel of the but bat. There's a and, and split just,
1: second there where I feel collectively
2: Wrigley's like, yeah, uh. I, I think it's, I think it's what I said before. It's like, you're going, you know, you've already committed to this being a home run in your right. head because it's not close. And then you're looking at the fielder who acting like he's going to catch it. And and that's one of the <laughs> ways that I, you know, I always, especially at Wrigley with the wind, try to gauge whether a ball is a home run or not, right? If the guy's not moving, if the outfielder doesn't think he's catching it, then you can probably go ahead and celebrate, right? If he's acting like he's going to catch it, certainly if he's coming in, then you probably have read this wrong, right? Like, in in so many ways. And so I think it was one of those, like, just the general nerves of the situation being basically positive that you had just watched a really long home run, as Pat Hughes would describe it, a, you know, get-out-the-tape-measure shot, And then you're watching Pagan kind of, like, tracking it, and he's got his glove up and everything, and I think the moment you're describing is, like I said, everybody going, hold on a second. Like, is this guy planning (laughs) on catching this ball? Like, how is that possible? Right. And I think that's that's what it was, and, you know, it just was one of those— Because everyone was so on edge and because it it was zero to zero, especially, I I think as you see him ranging to it, you almost start to think like, oh, no way, right? Like, no way the wind is going to kill this ball. Like, what are we going to have to do to get a run? And this is all happening, like, within a split second, right, in in your brain. But I I, I think that's what it was. It just was, you're you're looking at him like, this guy looks like he's thinking he's going to catch this ball, and I don't understand, like, that's just not, like, reconciling with what I just watched. But... This is, uh, I, I will, I'll end on this, right? Because we could talk about this a lot and I think we're going to end up talking about this series and stuff because uh, I think by the time we come back to you, I didn't look at the marquee schedule, but I they might be through this series. I don't know. So there's plenty to talk about. We'll muse on all of this. We may have months to do this together. So we'll, we'll, we'll get all the conversations in. But I would be remiss if I didn't belabor this point. This, this game is what the Cubs signed John Lester for. And I think it's it's a good microcosm of when you look at all of the narratives and, and storylines when they brought him over prior to the 2015 season, what he's done in his career, and why he was paid the money that he was and, and, and has been worth it 10 times over, right? It's games like this he's had great moments in the regular season. He's been an all-star. He, he's done big things in the regular season. He was a Cy Young candidate in this particular season. But this game is more, I think, emblematic and representative of why a team in the Cubs position, like they were in 2015, signs someone like John Lester. And it is because you throw him in game one with it all on the line. You've spent all this time, all this money building for this team and building for this run in the playoffs. And at that time, right, there is nobody you would rather give the ball to in that situation than John Lester. And he goes out and he delivers exactly what the Cubs needed, exactly what you paid him for, exactly in your wildest dreams when Theo... Was signing that contract with John Lester. I bet you that is exactly how he envisioned that going. We're going to give him the ball in Game One, the year we win the World Series, and he's going to pitch a shutout. He's going to yep. shove. He's going to be angry and s- blowing snot rockets All while he's doing place. it. Oh yeah. And this is ex- I-, I bet it is exactly how he envisioned that going. And even with Ross doing his stuff at catcher, I, I like. I bet that is exactly how they drew that up and that's just what John Lester does and we've seen that even as the years have gone on and you know his numbers have have gotten worse and his stuff has diminished a little bit and he's transitioning into sort of a, a different phase of his career he was still lights out in that game against the Rockies in that wildcard game and if you know the, they play baseball in 2020 and you give him the ball in the playoffs he's going to be good there too and that's just one of those things that you can bet on death taxes and John Lester being an absolute legend in the Major League Baseball postseason. Those are things that you can put your money on with with great reliability. So, I if you're if you watch this game on Wednesday night and are hearing this on Thursday morning, you've already been reminded of this. If you go back and watch the highlights of this game or you have one of the DVDs and you watch this game, whatever, this is the Javi Baez game because it like Brendan said, it is is one of those moments, among several probably that that really kind of create El Mago and and the Javi Baez that we know and love today. But John Lester was so effing good in this game, and it is so important to this run, and this is one of those games where when I get on my, you know, rants about him being one of the most important players in Chicago Cubs history, one of the best free agent signings in Chicago sports history, whatever, you know, things I've said about John Lester, this is one of those reasons why. They are in a five-game series playing against a scrappy team, and Johnny Cueto was almost every bit as good, right? He struck out five more hitters. He was almost every bit as good. But John Lester was better, and... That's one of the big reasons that they go on to win the World Series, and I will hammer that point home until I, you know, can't anymore. Uh, because again, that this this is the game that they brought John Lester over for. This is the performance that they were envisioning when they brought him over. This is about as well of an executed plan for a baseball team as you can imagine like you sign this guy for this purpose at that moment to do just what he does in game one of this series and he was not done in these playoffs because of course he wasn't he's John Lester so there's my John Lester diatribe for you uh we're gonna get a lot
1: of those I feel like over the next few months if we're talking
2: about the 2016 playoffs we certainly are episode yeah but I, I I you can't you can't forget that it it can't be driven home enough just how good he was in this game and just how like on point everything was for for this to all uh out but it's it's fun to watch these the it's it, is that like the most obvious thing it'll be the most obvious thing I've ever said uh on this podcast you know Brendan it's fun to watch the 2016 Cubs again um the world series championship it's, chicago Cubs there there's such a an interesting brand of baseball that that's being played by this team uh you know and, and we 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 talked a lot at the time about you know how they how they pitch to their defense and how they pitch to soft contact and how they converted out and that's one of those reminders especially since we did not see that in the 2019 season far from it right but you just watch these games and you're reminded of how smooth and slick this team was. Like, if there was an extra out to be had, you can be sure that the 2016 Chicago Cubs were going to get it. Like, every positioning move they made was right. Every double play they turned. It just is really amazing to watch this team uh, because it's it's really about as high level of baseball as you can see in in this team. So this is how Marquis is starting it off. And, uh, yeah. As we said before, this is the first of 11 wins, and when you win 11 times in the Major League Baseball playoffs, that means you won the World Series. So, mm-hmm. so, I, so I don't, Sorry, I didn't mean to spoil uh, spoiler alert, everybody, if you're watching these in order, and you have forgotten, like many people do, what happens at the end of this uh, that that is unfortunately a spoiler alert. The Cubs do win 11 times in yes, the World Series. Yes, they do. The World Series, yeah. Yeah. So, That's, I think, what we got. Uh, I I would imagine that, you know, on the episodes going forward, uh, we, uh, unless things change, you know, won't devote as much time to kind of the current goings on. But I did think it was important uh, to offer kind of that preface at the beginning because while we want to entertain ourselves, hopefully entertain you guys, or at least just give you some some background noise as you're working from home or, or doing whatever it is you're doing, uh, you know, definitely want to make sure that, you know, anything we're saying or doing is is not uh, coming off as insensitive to the seriousness of the situation. And and like I said, uh, this this situation is easier for Brendan and I to deal with than I'm sure it is for a lot of you. So again, hopefully everything with your work, with your family, uh, especially with those older family members, is okay. And, and we're all able to get through this together. Um, but Brendan, I don't, I don't know if you have any uh, parting words of wisdom for our our listeners before we sign off here.
1: I, I take a little solace knowing that I, at least in my community, we're dealing with the same things, and it's uh, it's anxiety inducing. I know a lot of you know my coworkers and friends, and even many of you in the Cubs Twitter community. Like we're, this is this is a huge shakeup. This is going to drastically and dramatically affect so many people unfairly and uh we just need to do our part and i hope that when you guys tune into this podcast you're going to hear a little bit of a distraction from that that's one thing i think is important during this time is to try not to dwell on all the possible outcomes all the possible negative outcomes from this and if you and I can do our part, our small little sliver, and talk about Cubs baseball to make the time go by and take your minds off the seriousness of this, uh, I'm honestly I'm I'm humbled and 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 honored that many of you guys will continue to tune in. Yeah, absolutely.
2: So I echo that. Stay safe, guys. Do what you can to uh, you know kind of help the greater good here because I think the sooner we all band together and, and help, uh, fight this, the sooner we'll get Cubs baseball, which I think at its core, uh, aside from general health and safety, as I said, is, uh, what makes a lot of us the happiest. So, uh, again, I hope that however this, you know, however you guys are dealing with this, you guys are okay. And in a, in an okay place to get through this, um, we're around on Twitter, CF Cubs related at Cubs related, me and Brendan respectively. Uh, and we'll, we'll keep doing this. We'll figure out something to talk about. Guys, I swear if I have to talk about John Lester for an hour every time, I'll do it. Okay. Don't threaten me with a good time so we'll and i'm
1: looking i'm looking forward to talking about jake arietta again i got to get back out the uh the, yeah. the, the release point metrics to remember how wow. chaotic it was i know yeah, it was a little, weird time little
2: throwback for brendan here uh back to the the golden age of brendan's <laughs> yeah. jake arietta hysteria so well, yeah so we'll, we'll we'll figure it out but but whatever you guys are doing stay safe uh we will talk to you guys soon and as brendan said like especially in a situation like this if you're out there listening, we appreciate it. Like, this is, uh, I, this is good for us, and it's even better if there's, there's people listening to it. So uh, we thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you soon. And regardless of the situation, we will always end by saying, Go Cubs!
0: Keep your whole home running like clockwork from the office to the game room with Xfinity Internet. You'll get the best in-home Wi-Fi experience with reliable speed and coverage. Now that's simple,
1: easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more. Restrictions apply.
0: It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive, sought after, rare, and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne.